You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hey, you're listening to episode 202 of the Blended Family Podcast. And I was supposed to bring you this Father's Day special last week, but we ended up having some pretty big setbacks. Our car broke down and things have kind of been a mess since. The insurance company messed us over because they sent out a tow truck who completely took advantage of us and they're not willing to do anything to help. And then the car dealership is also doing the same thing. And so we still don't have a car. We've been in a rental for over a week. We're out hundreds and hundreds of dollars so far, probably more. And we still have no idea what's going on with the car. So it's just been kind of a big mess. And it was so stressful last week and the week before that I just couldn't do anything uh, but deal with what was in front of me. So Sorry about that. Uh, Father's Day was actually, you're listening to this the day after Father's Day. So I'm sorry that this show is late, but better late than never. And I've got a great Father's Day interview for you. We'll get to in a few minutes. But first, I just want to go over some of my announcements. So we had another issue in the Facebook group. And I know that I have to talk about this every now and then. But what had happened, I think it was a week or two ago, somebody reported a comment. And by the way, I so appreciate you guys doing that. When you see something that looks wrong or not nice, please do report it to me. I need you to keep doing that because I can't possibly look at every comment and post. And especially when you get deep down into the threads, I just can't go through all of those. But what had happened was one of the listeners was talking about a current challenge that she was experiencing and another listener was pretty harsh in her response and I know that I certainly didn't appreciate that and I know many of you don't appreciate it either so I did uh, send that person a message and didn't get a great response from her so I'm not sure what's going to happen but here's how it's going to go. Uh, If somebody, I will give somebody a warning, and if somebody doesn't understand that warning, they will kindly be asked to leave the group, and if that doesn't work, then they'll be blocked. That's just the way that it's going to go moving forward, and I hardly ever have to do anything like that. Usually just one warning is fine, but I know some people don't understand because there are a lot of other Facebook groups out there where that kind of stuff is tolerated, but I just don't tolerate it here in my group. I don't think any of you need to be judged or shamed about what you're going through or definitely not judged or shamed about the feelings that you might be experiencing from the problems that you're going through because nobody should judge anybody else for what you feel. We feel what we feel. And so even if you don't agree with somebody with what they say, If you have nothing nice to say, then you don't have to say anything. And if you want to offer some advice, please make sure that it fits in my top three rules when you're going to say something to somebody, which is, is it kind, is it necessary, and is it true? Actually, I think I have that backwards. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? But you get my point. Just make sure that if you're going to say something, if you were on the receiving end of that comment, how would it make you feel? 
because I think sometimes we forget how we're making other people feel by the things that we say. And it's very, very important to me to keep the integrity of that group the way it is. And so I appreciate your help. And um, I just want you guys to all bear that in mind when moving forward in the group. And I do want you all there and I do want you all participating. But like I said, just make sure that you are practicing kindness, the same thing we teach to our kids, right? So just practice that as well. Okay. So the next thing is I have a coaching session that I am going to be donating for you guys. What happened was one of my listeners had ordered a package deal and she purchased three sessions. But after her first session, sadly, she ended up going through a breakup and she doesn't need the other two sessions. And she knows how difficult it is being in a blended family. And she really wanted to donate one of her sessions to one of you. And so the easiest way that I'm going to do this contest is the first 10 people that respond, I'm going to choose a winner from there. So shoot me an email, Melissa at Blended Family Podcast, and just let me know why you need this coaching session or why you want this coaching session. And I will choose somebody out of that top 10 and I will get back with you and let you know if you have won the hour long coaching session. So you definitely don't wanna take time on that. Like I said, it's time sensitive. It's gonna be to the first 10. So if you want a coaching session with me, then that's all you need to do. And thank you to my listener Carly for doing that. That was very kind of you to do for another listener. I do have a new review and just so you know, your, your iTunes reviews that you leave for me, whether it's a star rating or an actual review, really, really helps me out a lot because it helps me be more visible in iTunes, meaning that more people can find the show, which means that I can help more families, which is, at the end of the day, what I really want to do. But this new review is a five-star review, came in from Melbourne Step Family from Australia, which is pretty cool because I live in Melbourne, Florida. And she said, Melissa Brown has honestly changed how I thought about my husband's kids, especially his very difficult teenage son who sees me as the evil step monster who stole his dad. I didn't steal his dad, but that is not how he sees it. I've gone from hating him and not having anything positive to say about him to having more empathy for him and actually realizing that his behavior is because he has suffered trauma from the separation of his parents and complete lack of support or discipline from his bio mother. I understand how hard it is for my husband to change his son's behavior when he only has limited access to the kids. I also have heaps more confidence in stating my boundaries and not becoming a slave to the kids by making it not my job to cook and clean, etc. when they're around. I've also really learned heaps about why blended families struggle so much and feel that this has made me feel like I understand more about what is happening inside the teenage brain. Melissa has really helped me get it. Well, thank you so much for that review. And that's exactly what my goal is really with this podcast is to help you all see things from another point of view, to see things from another person's perspective, or to just shift your own perspective just a bit so that we can come to an understanding. Because when we understand the people that are around us, we can relate with them better, communicate with them better, and we can certainly learn to cope with some of the behaviors a little bit better. So I'm really glad that the show is helping you to do that. And again, I appreciate all of your reviews that you leave me. It's so helpful. So thank you. And now let's talk Father's Day just a little bit. I came across an article yesterday on National Geographic about the origins of Father's Day because it's so funny to me that 
mothers make more of a big deal about Mother's Day, but fathers just don't really tend to care as much, it seems. And so this article popped up and it was so interesting. And I think that a lot of people probably don't even know this story because I had no idea. But a woman actually went on a 62-year campaign to make Father's Day recognized as a federal holiday. So let me read you just a little bit of this article because I found it so interesting. It says, when Sonora Louise Smart Dodd was 16 years old, her father became a widower and was left to raise Dodd and her five younger brothers alone. In 1909, Dodd was listening to a Mother's Day sermon when she realized the need for a day to celebrate fathers, especially her own. Inspired, Dodd drew up a petition for the first Father's Day, which she argued should be celebrated on her father's birthday in early June. Even though the petition only earned two signatures, Dodd convinced several local church communities to participate on the condition she pushed the date to late June to give them more time to prepare. The resulting celebration in Spokane, Washington, kicked off Dodd's nearly lifelong mission of promoting Father's Day for national status. Over the next half century, Dodd would travel the U.S. speaking on behalf of Father's Day and campaigning for the cause. And although Mother's Day was declared a national holiday, get this guys, in 1914, Father's Day wasn't nationally recognized until 19. 19- 72. So there is a little bit more to that article. I don't have time to get into it today, but I will link to that article in the show notes if you care to read it. I just thought that that was different. I had never heard that before, uh, but it doesn't really surprise me. Now, I do also have a special message for my dads and stepdads this Father's Day because I know that dads aren't always recognized and also not very vocal. I have men in my own community, in my group, and, you know, listening to this show who really don't say much. They don't say much in the group. I get far less emails from men than women, and I think it's because men aren't always encouraged to share their feelings, and in general, men are expected to have this tough persona, so they tend to keep a lot of emotions inside. But I know you're there, I know you're listening, and I know the things you struggle with because I've seen my own husband handle some very difficult challenges in his role as a dad and a stepdad. Now, one of the biggest hurdles that men face is this dad guilt. A lot of you feel guilty over things that happened in the past. Maybe you don't feel like you were there enough when you needed to be. Maybe you made some mistakes. Some of you feel guilt from the divorce itself. So whatever the reason is for the guilt that you're carrying, I want to give you permission today to just let it go. For one, it's not helpful or healthy to carry it around. And two, you did the best you could in the situation you were in. If you feel you made some mistakes, that's okay. Just move forward. But stop beating yourself up over it because it ends up holding you back from being the dad that you really need to be. You have such a special role in our children's lives. Yes, a lot of us moms will criticize you for being the fun dad or the play dad. And yes, there needs to be a balance, of course, but let's face it, we can't fill your role. Dads can relate with kids in ways that moms just can't sometimes. So for all of my fathers, whether you're a bio dad or a stepdad, Happy Father's Day to you all. I'm sure I speak on behalf of moms everywhere when I say we need and appreciate you. And we're thankful to have you because your role as a dad in a blended family 
is so important. And I also want to recognize my single moms who are raising their kids with an absentee dad, who are essentially taking on both roles, role of mom and dad. So kudos to you. I know you're out there and you're also not alone. And finally, to my husband, Sean, this family would not be the same without you. You are one of the most amazing dads I have ever seen. You always put everyone's needs above your own and before your own. And that doesn't go unnoticed, even though I know it feels that way sometimes. And I know the kids don't always appreciate you like they should, but they will. And I know that I couldn't do this parenting thing without you. So I love you bunches, Sean. Thank you for everything that you do for our family. And now the interview as promised. Enjoy everyone. Hello, everybody. I've got a very special guest for you today. I'm here with Joel Hawbaker. He's a high school teacher and a soccer coach in Alabama where he lives with his wife, his two daughters, and their two rescue dogs, Butterscotch and Bruiser. He's also a professional speaker and author, focusing on leadership, education, and especially blended family life. He's been remarried for five years, and he seeks to inspire other blended families to live a more harmonious life through grace, patience, and mutual respect. And when he grows up, Joel wants to be a fighter pilot and a black belt. Welcome to the (laughs) show, Joel. Thank you very much. I'm really excited about chatting with you today, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to share some things with your listeners that will prove helpful to them as well. Oh, definitely. And of course, you're here for the Father's Day special, and every year I like to feature a dad on my show that's doing good things in the world, but this is the first time I think that I've ever been able to feature a dad that's not only a great dad and a blended family dad, but who's actually doing blended family work. So I'm really excited about that. You're, you're doing very meaningful work in the blended family community. So um, we've got so much to talk about. But first, I just want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself and your blended family. So tell us about them and, and the dynamics there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my experience as part of a blended family actually began when I was in high school. My parents split up when I was in middle school, and about a year later, my mom started dating a guy who I still call my stepdad, even though they never actually married. And so that was my first kind of experience with seeing what blended family life could be like. And my dad and my stepdad and my mom all worked really hard to show a lot of respect to each other. In fact, I can remember my my dad and my stepdad and my stepdad's dad all becoming really good friends. Uh, We would have Thanksgiving together, mom, dad, uh, Brian, who is my stepdad, and then all the rest of us sitting around the same Thanksgiving table. And um, so I I had a great example set for me uh, in terms of blended family life. Well, I I got married for the first time halfway through college. I was 19. And my first wife and I were married for eight and a half years. We had two daughters together. Uh, They are now 15 and almost, well, just about to be 15 and then 12. Um, And so we divorced uh, almost, I guess, nine and a half years ago now. And uh, then she and I each remarried about five years ago. She remarried about six months before I did. And in that time, we have really been working on trying to have a positive blended family existence. Uh, And again, for a lot of a lot of that, what I've done is try to look at the example that my mom and my dad and my stepdad set. So we, uh, we've we had family sit-downs with all four parents together. We've had some counseling sessions with all four parents together. Uh, and we certainly still have our share of disagreements, which is true even within traditional families. Um, but I feel like the way that we go about 
trying to solve issues and and um, the way that we go about approaching each other uh, is something that, uh, again, I saw my parents do, but I don't think it's usual. And I didn't realize that until I became an adult and saw a lot of the way that was happening, especially as a high school teacher. I see a lot of kids from uh, broken homes or blended family kind of situations, and sometimes their families are doing really well. And sometimes those kids are having a really hard time because they're their parents aren't acting like adults, and that becomes very difficult. So um, I don't want to be uh, insulting to anyone, but one of the things that we do need to remember is that we we need to be setting an example for our kids, and not just uh, not just when it's easy. That is, I know a lot of listeners that are from Berlinda families that maybe think, well, yeah, well, you don't know what my you don't know what they did, and you are correct. I have no idea what your ex partner may have done. What I do know is that your kids are watching you. And, uh, and so that's something that we need to keep in mind as well. So that's one of the things that I share is uh, sort of, you know, Mohandas Gandhi uh, is pretty famous for a well-known quote where he said, be the change that you want to see in the world. And I kind of adapt that for blended families. And I tell people that you need to be the adult that you want your children to become, hmm. regardless of what's happened to you, right? Because you don't want them making excuses. You want them to be the kind of adult that they were created to be. And that means we need to be that by setting an example for them. Yeah. And that's very, very powerful. You know, I talk to people all the time and you're right. It is not usual. It is not usual that the adults that we have now had a positive example set for us. I'm from a divorced home too. Nobody that I know came from a divorce situation as a child that had a very positive experience. Not that I've spoken to. I know they're out there, um, right. but most of the people that I've spoken to had a negative experience and, and which is fine because we can use those negative experiences to learn how to be and learn what we don't want to do. But it's really right. nice that you had a positive example. So you learned what you do want to do and how to keep that going. So that's really, really mm-hmm. interesting. Is that, so what, what brought you into wanting to help the blended family community? Was it being a teacher? What was it? Well, part of it's being a teacher and part of it's being part of a blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm, I'm thankful for the situation that we are in because it is much better than it had been in the past. And it's also much better than it could be. Um, and so I want to try to sort of share a lot of what we have learned with other blended families to try to help them have a better situation as well. Like everybody that's part of a blended family knows it's never easy and it's never going to be exactly how you want it to be. But that doesn't mean it can't be better than it is. In fact, it can always get better than it is. Uh, and so the question is, how do we go about making that happen? And, um, a large part of the reason, again, is being part of one, but the other one is the high school I teach at. It's a small Christian high school, and it is associated with a place called the Big Oak Ranch. Um, and for people who don't know, the big you can look them up online. It's called the Big Oak Boys and Girls Ranches, and they are a, a basically their their motto is a Christian home for kids who need a chance. And so, pretty much every kid that lives at the ranch is um, is at the ranch because they were abused or abandoned or both. Uh, and they all come from really difficult backgrounds. And so every family at the ranch is a blended family. It's basically a biological family that also helps raise anywhere from two to five other children. Wow. And they try to try to raise them all within a traditional Christian home. So mom, dad, other siblings. And the ages go from little tiny toddler people all the way up to high school graduates. Um, and so at any given moment, roughly uh, one-fifth to one-third of the kids in my classroom come from that kind of background. 
And so I see a lot of the difficulties associated with coming from difficult family lives. I see a lot of the ways that that translates to the children. And again, that kind of gave me a heart to try to want to help those kids kind of break the cycle. That's something they talk about a lot at the ranch is do you want to continue the cycle of broken families or do you want to try to change it? And so I just want to try to do my part to help kids do it, you know, maybe better than they might have. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. I love that you're doing that. What would you say is maybe the biggest challenge that you've had in your own blended family, not as a child, but as an adult? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me personally, the biggest challenge is just remembering to do what I encourage other people to do. <laughs> it's it's the challenge of being consistent because, um, you know, it's it's easy to counsel someone to do something hard. Yes. It's a lot it's a lot harder to do it yourself, but I you know, I have this conversation with my teenage daughter all the time. I want to be a consistent human being. I want to be a genuine human being, which means if I'm going to spend a significant portion of my time counseling other people to act with humility and with grace and with patience, then I can't afford to take a day off when I just blow up and lose it yelling horrible things about my ex-wife. Like yeah. that's not ever going to serve my kids well. That's never going to do them any favors. And so the, sometimes the biggest challenge is to make sure that I'm living out what it is I encourage other people to do. It's so funny that you said that because, of course, I have my challenges too, even though I've been doing this podcast for four years. You know, we all know that we, we do the podcast because we found a need in our own life for support, like you said. <laughs> and, uh, but I remember one day I was struggling with some, I don't remember the situation. It was something with the kids and it was, it was a really bad situation. And I remember going to uh, one of our best friends and I was crying and, you know, he kind of looked at me and he said, you're you know, aren't you the professional? Aren't you the blended family podcast lady? Like, shouldn't you kind of know what you need to do? Don't you think you need to take your own advice? You know, and it, it, it stung a little bit, but it's true. Like we do find that it is easier to tell other people what to do, but to actually do it ourselves and to walk in those shoes is difficult, but it was a good reminder for me because, um, if I'm going to preach it, I need to be able to do it too. And so, yeah, so I had to circle back around. So, um, well today, this is, this is really interesting because I was looking at your website and you've got lots of Mm -hmm. great stuff. And for the listeners, um, I'm going to put all of Joel's links in the show notes as I always do, but he's got on this uh, on this page, the Ten Commandments of Blended Family Life, and I really want to focus this show on that because it's something new and interesting, and I think it's going to be really good. And just like Joel just said, adopted from Gandhi, how Gandhi always said, "Be be the change you want to see in the world." Well. He's right. Be the adult that you want your children to become. They are watching us. They are looking at everything that we do, and that's how they learn. So Joel has the 10 commandments of blended family life on his page, and I want to go over all 10 of those because I think they're really amazing. So Joel, I'm going to read each one, and then you can definitely elaborate on those. Sound good? Certainly. That sounds great. Let's do it. Okay. Number one, over-communicate with all adults involved. Choose a format or technology that works and use it. When in doubt, communicate about it. So let's let's talk about the communication because uh, that is, and I'm glad you have that as number one there. That is probably <laughs> the biggest challenge for most blended families and people that are co-parenting together. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I would argue that you're correct. That is the single biggest challenge because it's very easy, especially in uh, co-parenting or blended family situations, it's very easy for things to get lost in the shuffle. Um, that's something that I've had to learn 
as my daughters have gotten older, is to make sure that I'm communicating with their mom and their stepdad and my wife to make sure that we are all on the same page, whether it's with school activities or sports activities or choir activities or church activities or just getting together with friends or whatever it may be. Um, it's very easy for feelings to get hurt or um, it's very easy to feel like you're being disrespected. And really, a lot of times it's not that. It's just that someone forgot to communicate well. So, for example, um, when we're recording this, it's exam week for the high school where I teach. And my daughter, my, my kids go to a different school than where I teach. Um, they go to the school they've gone to their whole lives. I actually teach about 45 minutes down the road. And my older daughter is exempt from her finals except for one of them. So she came to school with me today to study for her final that she has tomorrow. Hmm. Right. Well, that means she's at her mom's house this week. They go back and forth each week. So that means this this morning I got up and I went and picked up my daughter from her mom's house. She came with me to school. Then I took her back home to her mom's house after we got done at lunchtime today. And, you know, that's not a big deal when you say it like that, but it would have been very easy to cause problems if her mom hadn't known ahead of time that I was taking Carly with me to school today. You know, what if I just show up at their house at 630 in the morning, ringing the doorbell and saying, hey, is Carly ready to go? And her mom has no idea what's happening. That that would cause all sorts of problems, and that's totally understandable. Um, you know, it's also a situation where the kids go back and forth each week, and if they forget something at one house that they need at the other house, we need to communicate about that because it'd be very easy to say, "Well, you forgot it. You're just going to wait till next week." But that's not that's not actually helpful in their world, um, especially when they're still learning responsibility at age 15 and age 12. Um, and so there's a lot of texting back and forth in our family between, hey, uh, you know, between myself and my ex-wife or between, uh, you know, the other parents involved. And we just say, hey, you know, did Carly mention this to you? That's our older daughter. Or, or did Lou mention this to you? That's our younger daughter. Um, and trying to make sure that we're all on the same page. Because, again, when you, when you don't communicate, it can often send a message you didn't intend to send, Spe- specifically something along the lines of, I don't think you're important enough to tell about this situation. Right. And that's always a problem. Um, so we just we really do try to err on the side of over communication, even if that means sometimes I get a text from my ex-wife that's like, OK, thank you. I didn't really like I'm glad you told me that, but it wasn't necessary to pass that on. Well, that's OK. I'd rather her tell me that than come to me a month after something happened and go, I cannot believe you didn't tell me about this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's that's much worse. Um, and so we always try to, uh, and my wife is actually really wonderful about reminding me of that stuff. She'll say, Hey, have you, did you mention this to your ex-wife? Did you mention this to the girl's mom? Ooh, you know what? You're right. I really need to make sure they know about this. Thank you for reminding me. Um, and that's something that, again, it goes a long way. Just trying to communicate goes a long way towards building good relationships. Yeah. And I love that you have here over communicate with all adults involved, not communicate with the kids and hope that they relay right. the message because that's what yes. a lot of people do. And now you, Joel, have a different situation. You you do have a great situation with your ex and you guys get along for the most part, but a lot of people don't. And so they think, right. I don't want to talk to that person. I'm just going right. to use my child. Do not do that because the kids no. can sometimes misconstrue the information. Things get messed <laughs> up. It's always a problem. And then yes. also the kids feel pressured. They feel pressured yes. to make sure that they give that message properly. 
Um, and I also like that you say choose a format that works and use that. Yeah. So if you're not a person that can communicate face to face, then don't go by email. Right. If email doesn't work, then text. Um, I love I love texting an email because I feel like you at least have record of what's said, and yeah. I feel like things can't get as ugly like that. Um, yeah. But but anyway, I love that. And yes, communication is key in every relationship in your life, but it's especially essential in the blended family. So okay, let's yeah. move on. Uh, number two. Okay. Be respectful, calm, and patient with everyone involved, even if you're the only one doing it. A soft answer turns away wrath. I love this one so much because people always think, well, that person is acting like this, so I'm going to act yeah. like that too. But you, you, you know, kindness is, is what needs to happen because that will squelch any argument. Somebody's not able to fight with somebody who's not fighting back. So mm -hmm. what's, what's your take on this one? Yeah, well, it's, it goes along with communication. So the first thing is you need to communicate. The second one is you need to communicate well. And part of communicating well is being respectful and calm and patient. Like you mentioned, a lot of people who have split up don't have a good relationship and they don't like talking with each other. That's totally fair. However, we also need to remember what we tell our kids. And what you just said is what we often see. And that is, you know, well, that person's rude to me, so I'm going to be rude back to them. Well, would you accept that from your seven-year-old? <laughs> would, would you tell your seven-year-old, hey, that kid was a jerk to you, so your job is to be a jerk back to them? Because if so, I disagree with your parenting. Right. You know what I mean? No, we, we tell our kids that I, what they did to you does not make it okay for you to treat them badly in return. Well, if that's true at age seven, it is still true in our 20s, 30s, and for the rest of our lives. So, and to be fair, a lot of times we're not the only one doing it. We just feel like we're the only one who's being respectful or more patient. Well, that's okay. Whether you actually are or whether you just feel like you are, your job is not to try to be right. Your job is to try to be a good example to your kids. Yes. And that means... That means being respectful and calm and patient, even if the other person or people are losing their tempers or calling you names or whatever it may be, because you can't, you can't control them and you can't change how they respond to you, but you can, even in a hard situation, set a good example for your kids. And that will go a long way because that, again, that's showing them the proper way to function as an adult. So we've had some hard conversations in my blended family between the four adults. We've had some hard conversations, whether it was disagreements about what the kids are or are not allowed to do at certain ages or where they go to school or whatever it may be. We've had some hard talks. But the key is we need to have those talks in a way that is productive. And you see this in middle school lunchrooms all the time. When you start calling people names or insulting them, <laughs> you're not conversing anymore. You're just trying to win an argument. Well, if you're trying to win the argument rather than figure out what the best response is, you're not actually doing what's best for the kids anymore. You're doing what's best for you. And that's not the point of parenting. If you went into parenting, if you became a parent thinking, I'm going to do this because it's great for me, like you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong neighborhood. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's just how it is. Nobody becomes a parent because they think this is going to make my life easier and fun. I know, definitely not. Definitely. I love my kids, but everybody knows like, Kids are they, – they make your life harder in a lot of ways, in good ways. But you know that's just how it is. And so we need to remember our job is to be the adult, and that means treating other people well. Now, we don't see that well – we don't see that done well in a lot of ways in our world. Um, 
as a soccer coach and a, you know as an adult at a lot of youth sport events, I see a lot of parents who are embarrassingly bad at setting a good example for their kids in youth athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, I was refereeing soccer games a couple days ago, and I had a parent on the sideline yell at me for a solid 70 minutes. And at one point, he got so frustrated because I just ignored him. He looks at me because he disagreed with a call that I made, and he said, that's a ridiculous call, and you're ridiculous, and your shorts are too big. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, well, that's a great example for your son who is 14 years old. Thank you for that, sir. Wow. You know? And, 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 you know, and it sounds silly because it is, but here's the question, like, what good did that do other than to make him feel better for the, thir- you know, 30 seconds it took to realize, boy, I just sounded like an idiot. Yeah, but it didn't solve anything and it never does. No, so, yeah. it did. That's exactly right. And, and, you know, and that's why I have in that number two, the uh, uh, quote from Proverbs where it says a soft answer turns away wrath, because the truth is if someone's yelling at you and really upset and you just answer calmly and quietly. Most of the time, that will help diffuse the situation, just like you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago. So, yeah, it is. It's first part is you have to communicate. The second part is try to communicate well, and that means being respectful to the other people even when you strongly, strongly disagree. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Okay, number three, use discernment to learn to choose your battles very carefully Differentiate between personal dislikes and red flag issues. This is huge in every family, but especially blended families, right? Because there are a lot of battles and there are constant stressors and things that we don't like that our ex is doing maybe or the way that people are parenting, even our own partner. And I say it all the time because if we pick at every little thing, you're going to be picking your whole day for the rest of your life. So how yep. do you use discernment to learn to choose your battles? What would you say about that, Joel? Sure. That's well, you make a very good point. If we nitpick at everything we disagree with, like we're just going to be unhappy all the time. So the first thing is just, yeah, to realize that. Um, so discernment really, it, it has to do with sort of self-evaluation and the idea of are these things deal breakers or are these things just things that irritate me? Um, and, and what that looks like is ask yourself, is it actually harmful to my child or is it just something that I happen to wish were different about the way that my kid is being raised in the other house? Um, so that might have to do with what clothes they're allowed to wear. It might have to do with the age at which you let your kid have certain access to technology. That's a big thing in my world as a high school teacher. I will go to the grave believing that no child younger than 15 needs a smartphone. And the reason is because I'm a history teacher and I know that up until 10 years ago, smartphones didn't exist. But you know what has existed for 6,000 years of recorded human history? Teenagers, <laughs> which means they can survive without them. They'll be just fine. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's just a side rant. Um, the idea here is what is actually dangerous, what is harmful, what is potentially damaging long term. Those could be red flag issues. But is it just a personal dislike? And if it is, feel free to voice your opinion respectfully, but you cannot be insistent on something that's just a personal dislike. It's not going to do anybody any good. Um, and again, that's, that's very important to understand the difference between the two, and you have to figure out what those things are. And so sometimes it may be talking with your spouse or it may be having the conversation with your ex-partner or it may be talking with a counselor or a trusted friend who's also a parent. But you you do need to start figuring out what the difference is. So um, just by example, in our world, um, you know, I have two daughters, one of whom is about to get her driver's permit. And I would love to be the sole decider of what clothes my teenage daughter gets to wear. Having said that, I've never been a teenage girl. 
I've certainly never been a teenage girl in the 21st century. And so for me to just dictate to my daughter what she is or isn't allowed to wear, it's probably not going to go well with her, nor is it going to go well with her mother. And so that cannot be a red flag issue for the most part. You know what I mean? Like I, I need to understand that I'm going to have to ask questions about why she makes certain choices instead of just dictating to her, no, you're not allowed to do that. Um, yeah, and well, that's not really fun, but no. it is it is important to do. And we all know that if you tell your child, not especially as a dad to a daughter, you tell her not to do something or to wear something, and then she wants to do it even more. So right, um, that's and, what I'm learning. Yes, yes, yeah. Teenage. Listen, hey, <laughs> I got three teenage uh, girls, so okay. I, I oh, know God all about you. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me. But um, I, I understand this particular issue because this is something that we all deal with. Right when our kids go to the other house, and yep. we're hearing things, especially when they're younger. And it happened in my own life when my kids were maybe uh, getting having a different diet than I would have had them right. eat or yep. watching certain movies that I wouldn't yep. have allowed. But yep. the way that I always differentiated it was, is this something that is going to harm them long-term? Yep. Is this something yep. that is affecting their health? You know, And if it's not, I can learn how to overlook certain things. And there's certain things that I started to talk to my kids about, like mm -hmm. brushing their teeth. If my ex is not going to force them to brush their teeth, you know what? Okay, he's not going right. to do it. I'm not going to be able to make him do it, but I can right. talk to my kids about the importance of taking the responsibility on their own because they need to do that anyway and Correct. to not have to have dad force them to brush their teeth that they need to do it or they're going to have consequences when they go to the dentist. So mm -hmm. um, so absolutely, that's a big one there. And I think yeah. it happens more when people are more newly divorced because they haven't mm -hmm. worked out those details and there's a lot of anger and bitterness involved and, and frustration yes. of you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. Uh, but I yep. think ultimately it'll save you a lot of heartache to understand that your ex isn't going to do things the way you want them done <laughs> and that's okay. And that's why you're not together anymore. And agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yep, you're number, exactly right. Number four, Joel, uh, be willing to graciously give way on minor issues Yes, this still comes with risk, but it's still the right thing to do sometimes. And this is kind of goes back a little bit to number three, like uh, picking does. and choosing our battles. So go ahead, Joel. Yeah, it's, they're very much related. Like you just said, we one of the big things that's hard for adults to realize is that we cannot control what happens in someone else's home. Um, I learned this actually from my former father-in-law. Uh, after his daughter and I split up, I was angry about who knows what. It's been a long time. Uh, but I was angry about something. And I went over to talk with him to just vent my frustration and ask for his help because I felt like what my ex-wife was doing just was not good enough and this needs to be changed. And, you know, it was really honestly, it was it was more of a personal dislike than it was a red flag issue, but I hadn't realized that. And so I mentioned it to him and I just went off for about 10 minutes. He finally looked at me and he gave me, a, he said something very important. He looked at me and he said, Joel, if you couldn't change her when you were married, what on earth makes you think you can change her now that you're divorced? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, ow, that's, uh, that's pretty harsh to hear there. But you know what? He's 100% right. And just like you said, even when you're married sometimes, the other partner isn't going to do exactly what you want them to do the way you want them to do it. They're certainly not going to after you're divorced. So we need to just understand that. And we also need to understand that just because something is done differently doesn't mean that it's wrong. Um, in the, the book that I wrote on leadership last year, I gave an example of this. I call it the dishwasher story. So in my first marriage, there was one day 
when um, I, I just finished loading the dishwasher or my, my wife at the time had, uh, and the other one just came right behind him and unloaded the whole thing and reloaded it. <laughs> and so I came back in and I unloaded it and reloaded it. She came back in and unloaded it and reloaded it. And her brother was living with us at the time. He just stood in the kitchen doorway for 20 minutes watching us. <laughs> And we're just, and we're getting angrier and angrier. And it's like, we're both intelligent people. Like, why? I know how to load a dishwasher. Well, I know how to load a dishwasher too. It became this giant fight about something stupid. And I don't actually know who quote unquote won that argument. I don't know who ended up having the dishwasher loaded their way. What I do know is in that particular moment, our relationship lost. Because what we were saying to each other is my being right about this very minor issue is more important to me than my relationship with you. Yeah. And so it's, it's the same kind of thing here. Um, now that we're divorced, I'm not concerned about trying to have a perfect, loving relationship with my ex-wife. And I don't mean that crassly, but like legitimately when you're divorced, the relationship changes. Okay. So I'm not as concerned about making her happy or – you know what I mean? However – I do want to have a good relationship with the mother of my children. And that means that sometimes, even when we disagree, I'm just going to need to say, okay, we'll do it your way. Yeah. Because that's, that's giving way. And it's not doing it reluctantly. It's not doing it angrily. It's not doing it with bitterness in front of the children. You just say, okay, that I, it's not what I would have chosen, but that's okay. It, it will be fine. And then we'll move on. And then you don't bring it up and you don't make snide comments about it and you don't use it as an example of how they're always wrong about everything in the whole world. Like that's not gracious. Um, And so it's just important to remember that we're not going to get our way all the time and we need to be willing to be okay with that. Yeah. I always say to people, it's not about being right or wrong. Mm -hmm. It's about, do you want to be happy? Um, Because sometimes you can sit and fight, like you said, to try to be the right one, but you're never going to be happy doing that. So it's, it's a lot better to just, yeah. Okay. So number five, choose to believe the best about the other household and be sure to celebrate and acknowledge it when you see it. Now, I love that because most of us choose to believe the worst about the other household, don't we? <laughs> we do. It's just easier to. Like we, we are all broken, sinful humans. It's really easy to be – to choose to see the worst in other people. We see it in the news all the time. Like you could be a great person your whole life and you screw up one time and that's what you're going to be known for in the news for six months. And that's just because that's what we like as human beings. Like if you help an old lady across the road, nobody cares. If you push that same old lady in front of the bus, that's front page news. Right. We want to believe the worst in other people, um, but we we don't want to believe the best in them. It takes more work, and it takes more grace, and it takes more patience. Um, but I really believe the the quote that's in there with it is from uh, C.S. Lewis, who a lot of people know as the the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, he has a quote where he says, uh, "A real desire to believe all the good you can of others, and to make others as comfortable as you can." will solve most problems. And there's a lot of truth in that. Um, If I spend my whole life believing the absolute worst about my ex-wife, that's going to show in the way that I relate to her and in how I talk about her in front of my kids. And that's not fair to her because if I believe the absolute worst, one, that's not accurate. (laughs) I mean, it's just not. You know what I mean? And just like if she believed the absolute worst about me, that wouldn't be accurate either. Uh, But two... It's a terrible example to set for our kids. I want to believe the best about people. Again, is that dangerous? Sure it is. Does it mean I'm going to be wrong sometimes? Yes, but I was going to be wrong sometimes anyway. Um, But if we can choose to believe the best about what's going on in the other household, 
that's going to be a good step in the right direction. And then, just as a bonus for your kids, celebrate it. So when, my, when I hear about something happening at my ex-wife's house that I, I think is a great thing, and my kids are telling me, they say, hey, get, Dad, guess what we did at Mom's house last week? We did, you know, fill in the blank. And I'll say, honey, that's great. I'm so glad you guys are able to do that. Yeah. And that, that, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but hearing that message over and over and over again tells my kids a couple things. One, it tells them that I'm glad that they're having a good time at their mom's house. I'm not jealous or bitter or threatened by it. Two, it tells them I want them to have a good relationship with their mother, which is true. I really do want them to have a good relationship with their mom and with their stepdad. And three, it lets them know that it is okay to talk about events at their other house when they're at our house. And that's a big deal, especially in our blended family, because at their mom's house, they also have a little brother. That is, my ex-wife and her husband had a son about three years ago. And so now my two daughters also have a little brother. And we don't say, you know, half-brother or step-brother. Like, no, he's their little brother, period. And when they come to our house and they talk about him, that's a good thing. We don't, we don't want them to spend half their lives afraid that I'm going to blow up in anger when they talk about their new little brother. Like, that would be a terrible way to have to live. And so when they come over and they talk about their little brother and they say, hey, guess what he's doing this week? I say, man, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you guys are having a good time with him. Just one, it's the right thing to do. But two, it makes their lives easier. And that's really important. Yeah, this this one here in particular, very much for the children, very much so, because it really is painful for them to not only hear the negative things that go on about their other parent, but to feel it, right? They can feel the energy. They can tell your tone of voice. They can tell your body language. um, And they know all of that. And it doesn't make them feel good to know that their parents don't love each other. They know you're divorced, you're separated, that's fine. But they they should at least know that you guys can communicate and that you can still have that love for each other. Even if you're not in love, you can still love them as the parent, um, as the other parent of the child. So, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, number six, express Mm -hmm. genuine gratitude as often as possible whenever a joint agreement is reached. So tell me about that one. Yeah. So the idea there is if we are co-parenting, at some point, we're going to have to come to an agreement. Well, when we come to an agreement, let's, let's show gratitude that we were able to come to an agreement, whether it was a big thing or a tiny thing. Because again, like we said earlier, a lot of blended families or co-parenting situations are not very friendly. And so anytime an agreement is reached, it's done grudgingly and with hurt feelings. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well for the future. If it's just one angry agreement after another, eventually it's going to blow up. But if we can come to any kind of agreement about anything, and then we can say, hey, thank you for being understanding about this. Well, that, that bodes well for the next time. That's building a good relationship again. So one of the things that we do is we try to be very gracious with our scheduling. And so there's the legal paperwork that says, okay, they're at my house this week and their mom's house that week, and they're at this house on this holiday, and they're at that house on that holiday. And that's what the legal paperwork says. Realistically, we try to be pretty flexible because if there's an event in my ex-wife's world that she really wants the kids to participate in, and it happens to fall on the week when they're over here, I don't want to cause a damage to their relationship by saying, well, I'm really sorry. You should have thought about that before you schedule that event during that week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Like that's not helpful to anybody. And so instead what we want to do is come to an agreement. Hey, uh, listen, I know the kids are with you this week, um, but I was really hoping I could steal them for say three hours on Tuesday afternoon so we could go to this thing with my family. Would that be okay? Yeah, sure. That would be great. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And then next time I need to change the schedule, guess what? There's a better chance that I'll be able to get 
that kind of flexibility back from her. And again, that's something we've tried to do really well for the entire time we've been divorced. And it's not always perfect because sometimes events conflict. But again, the goal is to show the kids that we can do this well and that we can show true gratitude whenever we can do it well. Because again, that's that's just one of the things that makes life better is when you can show gratitude for people. If you're never grateful for anything, you're probably a pretty bitter person. Yes. Yes. I always encourage people to have, you know, get up in the morning. My husband does this every morning. He does it better than I do. The first thing that he opens his eyes, he, he right away, three things that he's thankful for that day or that he's looking forward to or that he's grateful mm. about because it really sets the tone for your yeah, day. Yeah, that's great. But it really does set the tone in your relationships if you can, like you said, have gratitude for these yeah. kind of things because you know what? There's a lot of people out there who can't reach an agreement. So the, if right. you can, then you need yes. to recognize that. Yeah, celebrate that crap, man. That's yeah. awesome. Okay, good. So number seven, remember every day that you are the adult and your task is to model maturity and wisdom for your children. Your task is not to win, to get revenge, or even to get your own way. Yeah, so that one really I mostly wrote just for me (laughs) because um, I really want to get my own way. I'm pretty selfish in a lot of ways. I want to win most arguments that I'm involved in or disagreements, and the problem with that is that is all 100% self-serving. And if I'm going to be even a reasonably decent father, then I need to put my ego out of the way and do what's best for my kids. And so I need to remember that my job is not to win. It is not to get revenge. My job is to model maturity and wisdom and other virtues for my kids. I need to be exercising things like patience and prudence, and I need to be exercising temperance, and I need to be exercising grace, and I need to be showing those things to my children. Because again, it all goes back to the first thing we said, which is be the adult you want your children to become. Well, do I want my kids to become people who have to win every argument even when everyone around them knows they're wrong? Because I'll be honest, I don't like having that kid in my classroom. I certainly would not want to live with that kid. Right. I, cert- I certainly wouldn't want to be married to somebody like that. The, the, really, the sad part is I know I have been that person in the past. And so this is a great reminder for me. Again, my job is not to win arguments. My job is to do what is best, even if that's not what I would have chosen originally. And again, so a lot of it is it's taking our ego out of the way. Um, I mentioned earlier right at the beginning that I, I try to help blended families try to live more sort of graciously. And one of the ways we do that is through exercising humility. Now, that's a word that a lot of people misunderstand. People think that being humble means pretending you're not good at something when everybody knows you are. That's not even close to what humility is. Um, C.S. Lewis tells us that humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is just thinking of yourself less often. It's self-forgetfulness. It's not asking the question, what do I want? It's asking the question, what is best, period? What's best in this situation? What's best for you? That's what we'll do. Because what I want, isn't that? it's not that important. What I need to be doing is looking out for you. That's my job as a parent is to take care of my kids. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean doing what you want all the time because we all know if you let a five-year-old do whatever they want all the time, that's that's, that's not being a good parent. But it is doing what's best for the children all the time, even if that's not what I would choose. And that's what we need to remind ourselves every day. We are the adult, and our, our job as adults is to model the kind of life we want our kids to live. And a lot of that is how do we relate to other people. Well, that is excellent advice, and it's a good reminder, not just for you, but for everybody. And I know that you know that, and that's why you put it in here in these 10. Absolutely. 
Okay, number eight, don't be afraid to ask for third-party help from a counselor, pastor, neutral friend, or someone else that all parties are comfortable with. So let's talk about that a little bit. And we all know there's there's tons of therapists and coaches, and, and mm-hmm. obviously I just told somebody else a little while ago that you don't want to listen to the wrong people. So I never right? say listen to people who who don't know, like if you're in a blended family, then take advice from that person. But if somebody's never walked in your shoes and they don't know anything about blended families, don't necessarily right. take advice from that person. But go ahead, talk about this a little bit. No, I think what you said contains a lot of wisdom. I mean, sometimes people know what they're talking about, even if they haven't been in that situation. But generally speaking, you're right. Like if I'm working on blended family life, I don't necessarily want to listen to someone who's never even been married at all. Right. They they just, they may not know. Now they might, maybe they're just very wise or they've read a lot of books or they're, maybe they're a counselor or whatever it may be. But in general, yes, you want to get help if you, well, first of all, it's don't be afraid to ask for help because um, like when my parents divorced, one of the things that both my mom and my dad told me is that when they were going through some problems, my dad just did not want to go to a counselor. He didn't want to get marriage help. He wasn't interested in speaking with a counselor. And part of that was his generation. Part of that was his personality. But I could tell that even years after the divorce, that hurt my mom's feelings. And and so that's one of the things I've tried to learn in general. Like my dad is my hero and I've tried to be just like him in a lot of ways, but that's one of the ones where I, I differ from him. Um, and so I want to encourage people. One, acknowledge the fact that you don't have all the answers. If you did, you wouldn't be where you are. And two, nobody has all the answers. I don't, you don't, nobody does. So we need to be willing to listen to other people. And so that means that gets to the second part, which is what you mentioned. And that is, who do you listen to? Well, that could be very different for different people, but you want to listen to people who know what they're talking about. So a trained pastor or a counselor, a friend who doesn't already have a dog in the fight. That is, Mm -hmm. if I just go to my best friend, he's been my best friend since I was five. I know the advice he's going to give me is going to be good for me and probably bad for my ex-wife. Well, that's probably, that's not necessarily good advice. He's not trying to find the best solution. He's trying to find the solution that's best for me. Well, I appreciate that. He's my friend, but that still doesn't make it the right advice. You know what I mean? Um, Also, up until about six months ago, he had never been married. So make of that what you will. Now that he is married, that's a different situation. Um, but yeah, take, you know, find someone that both parties are comfortable with or that all four parents are comfortable with that both people are, are remarried. And then let's sit down and let's talk. So like I said, we've had conversations where it's just the four of us. Sometimes we've had conversations where it was the four of us with a counselor. Sometimes it was the four of us and the kids and a counselor or whatever it may have been. Um, but the truth of the matter is we there's not a single person who already knows everything they need to about every situation. It's just not possible. So, okay, great. Well, let's be willing to admit that and then just ask for help. And that's okay. There's no shame in asking for help. There's no shame in saying, I don't know the right answer. Let's ask somebody to tell them, maybe give us some guidance here. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's I know that goes against everything that traditional guys kind of stand for. Like, I don't ask directions when I'm lost. And I don't need to read the directions when I'm, you know, putting something together. And maybe I'm just bad at directions and bad at building stuff. But if I don't have directions or instructions, like there's no way we're getting where we're supposed to be. So I'm asking for help. That's right. We have a saying in my other business. It's know what you know, 
Mm-hmm. Know who knows what you don't know, and that's Ooh. all you need to know, right? Because that's good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like lo- that's in, that's in our finance business. We talk about that all the time, nice. but um, it is it's very important. And sometimes just that outside perspective person mm-hmm. that isn't tied can can actually just show you how to shift your perspective in a different way, yes. so that you can all understand because you don't have those feelings involved and the the anger and and your own agenda. So that person, that outside person, doesn't have their own agenda. Yes. So it's really really important. Okay, number nine, work through your personal issues on your time, not in front of or by involving the children. And again, I love this one. I love all of these. (laughs) This is why we're doing this. But um, my husband and I, when we're having a disagreement, and don't get me wrong, it's totally okay for kids to see their parents have a disagreement. Yeah. But it's not okay for them to get involved in some deep-rooted issues or arguments or anything like that. So what we used to do is if we were going to have something heated— we take it away. We take it away from, we don't do it in front of the kids. They don't want to see it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's whether it's with your current uh, partner or with your ex, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, and those are things that um, can become difficult, whether it is with your current spouse or your previous partner. Yeah, that um, just like you said, like there are certain disagreements or if you're going to have small disagreements in front of your kids, that's natural. That's part of life. Totally fine. Um, but if there's a giant issue that needs to be discussed, you should probably take that not in front of your kids. And, and part of it depends on age as well. Um, but yeah, and part of this too is especially like I've never met anybody who's divorced who really just loved the divorce process and didn't have any hurt feelings afterward. <laughs> and so that means that you're going to have some anger, some hurt, some bitterness, some resentment you need to work through. The way that you work through that is not by complaining to your children about your ex. It's not by making snide comments, sort of thinly veiled things. Well, in our house, this is how we do things because in other houses, they just don't know what do. Come on, man. Like kids aren't stupid. They know what you're doing. That's not helpful. Um, and my ex-wife is actually, um, uh, you know, she and I disagree about a lot of things. Um, and that's part of why we're divorced. But I also know that she's very intelligent, which means if we both have very strong feelings about stuff, we have good reasons for having those feelings. Okay, well, that still means that if we're going to work through these things, we need to do it not with our kids involved. And my wife is extremely helpful in helping me see this kind of situation. Uh, Like you mentioned when we were talking about number eight, sometimes just an outside perspective is really helpful. Well, one of the things that has caused a lot of hard or difficult issues for me is trying to understand my daughters as they have gotten older. I've been a high school teacher for years. I understand how to work with kids in the classroom or on the soccer field. I've been coaching girls soccer now for six or seven years. And, and so teenage girls, I've been around a lot. I get that. But having, having an, a daughter or two in my home is different than coaching one on the soccer field. And so I also, just because of my own hurt and bitterness, I have a hard time hearing <laughs> what my ex-wife says about our kids sometimes. The truth of the matter is she probably knows more about our daughters than I do because she used to be a teenage girl. Right. I've never been I've never been a teenage girl. Well, my wife helps me see that. There we had a disagreement not long ago about something. And I asked my ex-wife a question and she told me an answer that I didn't like. And so I went to my wife and I said, "Is she right about this?" And my wife looked at me very lovingly and she said, "I'm sorry, honey. She really is." Mm. And I went, "Ah, Well, crap, (laughs) because it's not fun to hear that. But my wife loves me enough to tell me, no, you know what? Your ex-wife, she's right about this, and you need to hear her because if you don't, you're just going to keep making things worse, and that's not helping anybody. 
Well, we didn't have those conversations in front of our kids. That wouldn't be helpful. But it is important to remember our job is to work through our issues, not by making them more complicated or by passing them off to the kids. Kids are not there to be our grief counselors. Kids are not there to be our um, our therapists. So if the way that I'm going to work through my issues is by griping about my ex-wife to my children, that didn't do anybody any favors. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. And the last one on these 10 commandments, number 10, be as consistent as possible at both or all houses in all areas of life. Also remember that total consistency is impossible even in traditional families. And I like that you said that. We talked about that a little bit before. You're Mm -hmm. never going to get things perfect. Um, But 100%, you want to try to get things consistent across the board with the kids. And we all know that that's not always possible, especially when we don't co-parent well together. Correct. Uh, But talk about that a little bit for us. Certainly. So again, it's just as, as much as possible. Be consistent with little things, whether it's like bedtime or use of technology, or be consistent with huge things like the emphasis that you place on education and personal relationships. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that the kids have to go to bed at exactly the same time at both houses every night of the week. Um, At our house, the girls go to bed a little bit earlier than they do at their mom's house. Does that mean that we're better parents? No, it just means that we want them to go to bed a little bit earlier, right? But it does mean that at both houses, we are concerned about making sure our kids get enough sleep. That's the consistency, Right? We want to make sure that our children are healthy and well-balanced. And a huge part of that, according to all the scientific research, is teenage kids need to get enough sleep. Well, the only way they can do that is by going to bed on time or at least within a certain range. So that's one thing we try to be really consistent about. We also have – so our, our 15-year-old or soon-to-be 15-year-old has a cell phone. Right, but she is not allowed to have social media yet because we just don't think it's a good idea. There's, there's a lot more negative – that could come from her being on social media than positive right now. So as of right now, at both houses, she doesn't really have access to social media. That's like another area where we try to be consistent. At both houses, she puts her phone down at 9 o'clock every night. She plugs it in, and she plugs it in in the family room. So it's not like we're just trusting her to plug it in back in her bedroom but not be on it. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily because we don't trust her but because we know teenagers, right? And so we try to be consistent with those things. Same thing with our younger dog. Like we want to make sure that our kids are responsible. So we check up on their schoolwork and make sure that they're getting it done, but we don't do it for them. Like I'm a high school teacher. I'm not doing my kids' work for them. That's bogus. But I am going to ask them, hey, did you have any tests this week? How did you do? What are your grades looking like? And that's both houses. We want to make sure because our kids go to private school. We're paying tuition for them to go there. We expect them to make the most of that opportunity. And, we, and then that happens in both houses because, again, we want it to be consistent. We want to send a consistent message to our kids. Your education matters. You're going to have to work for your education. Do these things well. Um, we also try to be consistent with things like making sure that they are respectful towards all of their adults. They need to be respectful to their biological parents. They need to be every bit as respectful to their step-parents. And that means that in my house, I need to make sure that not only are they being respectful to their stepmom. They need to be respectful in how they talk about their stepdad, even in my house, Mm. that kind of stuff. Because when we do that, it shows them a consistent message of you need to be respectful to adults. That is the expectation for you as children and teenage people. You need to be respectful of people who are older than you across the board. 
And so, again, the idea there is uh, making sure kids are getting that message because think of the flip side. How confusing is it to be a teenager already? It's just hard to be a teenager. Can you imagine how much more difficult it is when you're a teenager who has four parents all sending different messages about what your values are? Mm. You know, same thing at a, like I hate, this is an analogy I use as, as a coach a lot of the time. I tell parents when they come to my soccer games when I coach, if you yell, I want you to yell only encouraging things and never yell at the referee or the other team. And the reason for that is this. If you're yelling at your kid and you're telling them to do something and what you're telling them goes against what I've told them to do, all that's doing is confusing your kid because they have to ask the question, in the middle of trying to play a game, do I listen to coach and make my mom mad? Or do I listen to mom and then make coach mad? Because it's inconsistent. You know what I mean? And that's oh. a, it's, a, it's a silly example, but it, it's the same thing in the household. If mom is telling me one thing and dad is telling me something else and both step parents are telling me other things, what the heck am I supposed to do? Because no matter what I do, somebody's going to be angry at me. Yeah, I, I actually did not think that was a silly example. I thought it was a great analogy, really, really powerful, actually, because it's very, very true. And yeah. so, listeners, those are Joel's top 10 commandments of blended family life, but he is literally just full of knowledge and tips and information. And you'll see when you go to his website, he's doing really, really great things for blended families. And I, I know that you got value out of this show today because that those 10 commandments right there is enough to really get your blended family set right if you do it the right way. Um, but before we go, Joel, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other things that you do because you do have a blog and you do mm-hmm. speak and you do um, some work in leadership and mm-hmm. you have a lot of other things going on. So I want you to talk about the other things you do and also moving forward, what's coming up for you in the near future. Sure. Well, thank you very much for that. Yeah. I, uh, so yeah, I would love for your listeners to go check out the website and find whatever they need there. Uh, I've got a couple videos and I've got the information you mentioned about blended family stuff. Um, that's something I'm extremely passionate about because as we mentioned, that's something I've been involved in for a long time. Um, I'm currently working on a book about blended family life that I'm hoping to have finished by Christmas time. So it would be available during December. Um, I'm also, uh, working on developing some online support groups for blended families um, to try to kind of give them an opportunity, give people an opportunity to share notes and compare uh, situations and try to learn from each other and encourage each other. Uh, That's something that I'm putting together. The other thing that I'm really um, enjoying doing is talking at different conferences, whether it's parenting conferences or education conferences or blended family conferences or marriage conferences or whatever, um, because I love sharing these ideas and these principles with families who need to hear them. Um, and so if there's listeners who are looking for that sort of thing, definitely have them contact me. Um, you can follow me on social media because I share a lot of my information there. Um, I do have, I forget how many now, 70 some odd blog posts about leadership and blended family life and that sort of thing. And, um, I've got a couple books on leadership. One is an ebook and one's a paperback. They're both available on my website. And uh, again, I, I love trying to help other people. I've been very blessed with people who have helped me. I would not be where I am without the help and encouragement of a lot of people. So I like to try to pay that forward and inspire other people as well. So if there's anything I can do for you or your listeners, please have them contact me and let me know. And uh, I look forward to hopefully hearing from some of them as well. And what is the best way for them to find you? What's the website you want me to send them to? 
Sure. The website is reallifeleading.com, uh, reallifeleading.com. And you can, there's a contact Joel tab on that page. You can, it'll, it'll email me directly and I can get back with you. Um, I think my phone number is even on the website. If somebody wants to call me, they can do that. Um, and, uh, those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. Like I said, you can follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty active on social media. Um, at least, um, most of the time I'm, I'm less active when I'm on soccer field. Um, hard, you know, hard to be coaching with a phone in my hand, that sort of thing. But, um, no, I, I love, I love talking about this stuff. I love being able to share and hopefully encourage and inspire other people. So thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I hope that your listeners got a lot out of it and I would love, love, love to hear back from some of them, especially if they learned something new or heard of a different way to look at things. Uh, I also love hearing stories about positive, successful blended families. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, uh, you're very in alignment with what I teach on my podcast. So I really like this and I think it was a good fit. Uh, one last thing before we go, Joel, since this is the father's day special and you're Mm -hmm. a dad and you have a blended family, I just want to know from you one last piece of advice for dads, for the dads that are listening today in the blended family, what is one piece of advice that you'd want to leave them with today? So I appreciate you asking that. Um, this is something that I've learned and relearned and relearned and really just had to revisit it very recently with my older daughter. As dads, and I'm, I'm coming from a Christian background, and but even if you're not a Christian, I believe this is important to understand. Um, as dads, our job is to model what love should look like for our children. As a Christian, what that means is I believe my job is to model God's love for us so that my kids understand God by looking at their relationship with me. Not because I am God, but because He is our Father and I am theirs. And that means my job is to be loving always, even when it's hard. And um, I would say that that's the most important thing that dads can do, is make sure that make sure that your kids know that you love them. Not just tell them, and not just show them in terms of like hugs or gifts. Those are important things. You need to make sure your kids know that you love them, in a way that they understand it. And that's what I recently relearned, especially in my relationship with my older daughter. I love my kids like I cannot even explain. But the way that I was trying to show her that I loved her, it was not coming through. Mm. And so I needed to learn how she receives love. I need to learn um, what she is looking for. And then I needed to kind of adjust my attitude and approach toward her so that my actions showed her that I loved her. I thought they were. Turns out they were not. And that was something that wasn't fun to learn, but it was important. So, yeah, um, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And again, I would encourage you, like, no matter what your job is, your professional task, the most important thing you will ever do is to love your kids well and to treat their mother well. Because your kids are learning from you how men are supposed to treat them, whether those are guys and they're supposed to learn how to be a guy from you or whether those are daughters who are supposed to learn what husbands are, are like from their dad. Your, your most important task is to love your kids well. Well, that is amazing advice and a great way to leave the listeners today. And for the listeners, all of Joel's links will be in the show notes for you. Go support him. Check out all of his stuff. I know you found value in today's show. Joel, happy Father's Day to you. And I hope you come back again. Maybe when your book is ready to be released, you'll come back on the show. I would love to come back anytime you want to have me on, Melissa. Thank you so much. It's been a blast, and I love what you guys are doing as well. Please keep up the great work helping encourage and inspire blended families. Thank you so much. 
You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.